Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally Spooktacular, a podcast dedicated to the scary stories around Scotland and a scary film. No, it's I'm only joking. It's the Culture Swally. It's a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined, as always, by the man who once saw a couple of ghoulies through Little John's window. It's Greg. <laughs> How are you today, Greg? I'm very well. I'm just admiring your t-shirt. I, I, I don't know how you'll, you'll feel to know that my daughter has exactly the same t-shirt as little. Oh, she does she really? Do. Oh, very nice. Oh, very good. I've had this for probably about 15 years, <laughs> I think. For the benefit of the listeners, Nicky's wearing a Guns N' Roses t-shirt. He's not wearing like a, a Forever 21 t-shirt or something like that. It's a it's a Guns N' Roses t-shirt. That'd be a, a revelation if I was wearing a Forever 21 t-shirt. <laughs> uh, yes, it is a Guns N' Roses t-shirt. I, I like this t-shirt. I haven't worn it for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a classic one, though. Yeah, it's quite faded, I yeah. think. Um, so it adds to the charm. You can tell it? it's quite... Yeah, it does. Yeah. You can tell it's quite um, faded because um, it's quite old because it's a little bit tight around the yeah, guns, course, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And and around the stomach. Uh, so yes, <laughs> how are you today, Greg? How's everything going? Very well. Are you all ready for Halloween coming up? I mean, this episode's going to go out in the like sixth of October <laughs> or something. So we're still a little bit far away from Halloween, but we like to get into the spirit early. Or the spirit, get it? <laughs> hey, oh, <laughs> we get in the spirits already. Yeah, no, we're last year on Halloween. It was on, a, I think it was a Sunday night, which was a school, well, it's a school night in Scotland uh, as well, but the calendar in the Middle East last year was the first day of the week, it was a Sunday, and it changed in Dubai, well, in the UAE this year to be in Monday to Sunday, like most of the rest of the world, but last year, um, my wife agreed that I would do a barbecue on Halloween, and Hmm. the kids, friends, the kids have their friends over, they could all get dressed up and they could go trick-or-treating around um, the streets around where I live. But of course, all that happened, well, that, that did happen, but all that happened was I was fucking harassed because I was, obviously, the, the kids had to be on their way home by a certain time because it was a school night. So I was under pressure when I came home from work to get the food cooked mm. and the barbecue and everything. So I did what most guys do when they're under pressure and had a few beers and then... <laughs> We ended up sitting in the garden with a few of the mums and having a a few drinks, um, which I think most of the kids didn't end up getting taken home until about 10.30. So um, I I said I didn't want to do that again this year. I said that somebody else host, but I've been fucking browbeaten into it as usual. So um, there'll be no barbecue this year. Uh, Somebody will do like a pot of chilli. And people can just help themselves. So what, were you just giving the kids like a can of Stella <laughs> in their little lantern rather than some no, but pick and mix? I did, give, I, I did completely inadvertently give a pork hot dog to a little Muslim girl, my daughter's friend. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, and she was all right about it. And her, her mum was all right about it. And the thing was, it wasn't like entirely my fault because I asked her beforehand, do you eat pork? And... I don't know if she just maybe didn't understand me because of my accent. Quite a lot of um, my daughter's more exotic friends, parents, um, and their friends, they, they sort of smile politely when I'm talking to them, but they, they don't really have a fucking clue what I'm saying. So it's not really the girl's fault, but I said, you know, do you guys eat pork? And she said, yeah, yeah. So I gave her a hot dog and she took a bite out of it. And then my daughter came over and said, they're pork hot dogs. 
to her friend and uh, she was like, oh, I don't eat pork. So, but luckily, um, her mum was fine about it. She only had a little nibble. So I'm sure she'll, I'm, sh- I'm sure she's still right with Allah. It was a mistake, you know. Yeah. You never know. Maybe you've converted her. She's off to Spinney's eating secret pork the, whenever she can, yeah. you know. Smashing. Once you've got a taste Smashing pop tarts and bags of Haribo, like the, the good Haribo that they keep in the non-Muslim, <laughs> <laughs> in the non-Muslim part of the supermarket here because they've got like pig fat in them or something. Oh, very cute. Oh, well, I look forward to hearing tales of your Halloween from this year in a couple of episodes time. Yeah, I think I'll be, um, I'm going to just try and stay out of it this year. So yeah, I'll just leave it to okay. get my wife to organise. Very wise. Mm. Will you be will you be decorating your front door in case any geysers come and give you a chat on Halloween? No, well I fuck. Or will you be, will you no. be pretending not to be in? No. <laughs> Probably pretending not to be in. I mean, we live on the seventh floor of a apartment block, and I don't think I don't know if there's any kids in the building right. of that age actually, um, and not really around about the neighbourhood. So no, and I mean when I lived in Dubai, it was very much a case of there was kind of a code of in the neighborhood that I lived that if you did want people to come to your door, you would decorate outside yeah. or or leave your outside lights yeah. on. But no, I always just had my lights off and nah, not bothering with that. <laughs> Cap your ass. Yeah. Is there a lift in your building? I think I've asked that before. There yeah, is there is. Yeah. Was it sure? Yes, but, you know, like is, these yeah. old European cities, the buildings are old and stuff. And, you know. No, our building's relatively oh, new, right, okay. I would say, yeah. We're in like a in the Docklands area, so it's kind of like a, an area that's been re-renovated and stuff. Right. But no, like our previous um, apartment was in the bang in the city centre, and that was a very old building. Mm-hmm. That, but we were on the first floor. But no, there was no lift there, obviously. But no, we do have a lift, so okay. it's um, it's all fine. Yes, glad to hear it. Okay, yeah, I'm glad you're <laughs> glad to hear it. Uh, right then, Greg, shall we have a look at what has been happening in Scotland over the last couple of weeks? Through the jingle. <laughs> Hello, this is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, Greg, so uh, what have you seen in the last couple of weeks in the newspapers in Scotland that has caught your eye and you want to share with me and all of the listeners? Well, both my stories this week, I think, are absolute bangers. Um, So um, I don't know which one to do first. (laughs) I think probably one is (laughs) slightly better than the other one, but not much. So I'll do the, I'll save the the good, the the better one for the last, uh, for my last one. So this story comes from the Daily Record on the 14th of September, so it's a week old or so. Uh, And the headline is, Scott's teacher who waved fake penis at colleagues banned from classroom. Uh, This is Derek Turkington. He was found to have behaved inappropriately towards staff at New Battle Community High School in Dalkeith between August 2017 and 2018. There's a picture of him here. He looks, he's got a touch of the old uh, sort of 1980s children's television presenter look to him so he does is he waving the penis no he's not he's not he looks like he's modeling ski coats ski jackets Uh, a teacher has been banned from the classroom for waving a fake penis at colleagues while making suggestive and provocative movements Derek Turkington was found unfit to teach on Wednesday following the incident at New Battle Community High School in Dalkeith in Midlothian during the time during this time Mr Turkington was found to have behaved inappropriately towards staff by putting a prosthetic penis penis down his trousers and then through his zip he then <laughs> he 
then made suggestive and provocative movements toward his colleagues and also placed his finger through his trouser zip while attempting to mimic male genitalia. That old classic. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Mr. Turkerton claimed he'd been carrying a box of fake penises, as you do. <laughs> Carry just uh, out and about with a box of fake penises. Uh, he claimed he had been carrying a box of fake penises from a sex education class and unintentionally must have held one of the mocked up members up as he waved goodbye to a colleague. I mean, I don't remember like fake cocks in sex education classes. When, when we got taught about no. sex education, the science teacher had a tank full of um, like big kind of grasshoppers. And we just basically had to watch grasshoppers shag for a couple of months to learn how babies oh. were made. Um, Did you never have to put a, like a condom over a banana or a cucumber? Well, I went to um, my first high school was a Catholic school. So uh, <laughs> okay. probably... Definitely not then. <laughs> by, the, by the time I got back to school in scotland i think just assumed that, that that we knew how to put condoms on i was 14 by then you know that you were already you were already at <laughs> yeah. it so the guidance teacher originally from glasgow was described as a kind of a benny hill character in his regards to sexual actions or language by a former member of staff in reference to a pupil who was in earshot Mr. Turkington is also found to have said, they've put colleague A, so I am guess they've put colleague A instead of the name of the teacher he was talking to. Can you please tell him yeah. that his dad clearly doesn't care about him and that he needs to move on and just get a grip? Your dad doesn't care about you, just get a grip and move on. Uh, following a four-day hearing into his conduct, the General Teaching Council for Scotland... Jesus... <laughs> the General Teaching Council for Scotland panel decided to remove Mr. Turkington from the teaching register. Arthur Stewart, the convener of the panel, said, Our decision as to Mr. Turkington is that he is unfit to teach and the panel must direct that his name be removed teaching register. Mr. Turkington has denied the allegations that he placed one of the prosthetics down his trousers and denied that he placed a finger through his zipper to mimic male genitalia. The allegations against the Scots teacher stated, between in or around August 2017 and in or around May 2018, the teacher did, whilst employed as a teacher by Midlothian Council at New Battle Community High School and during the course of its employment, behave in an inappropriate Appropriate manner toward other members of staff. In that, he did, on at least one occasion, place a prosthetic penis down his trousers and through the zip <laughs> and made suggestive and provocative movements towards other colleagues. He also placed his finger or fingers through the zip of his trousers in an attempt to mimic male genitalia. And also, in or around 2017, nailed a piece of wood over a door, res resulting in distress to pupils present. And in light of the above, it is alleged that his, his fitness to teach is impaired. Mr. Turkington appeared in front of the panel to defend himself, but he didn't show up for the final decision. When he was given evidence, he said, The demonstrators, in reference to the box of fake penises, were used for S4 classes to show how to put on a condom. They were kept in a box... <laughs> <laughs> they were kept in a box which at times overflowed. <laughs> it's just overflowing with penises. <laughs> and so you would have to carry a couple while putting a folder over the top of the box. This was to cause as little, as little attention as possible. And all I can think is that one of my colleagues was on the phone and I was waving to say, 
Bye, I'm off to teach. And I would maybe have had a demonstrator in my hand. But that's all I can think. He added, I agree that if that allegation was done toward a a colleague, that would be far too far. And out with being the appropriate humour for the workplace. I would say that my sense of humour is friendly, outgoing. I like a laugh and a joke. I wouldn't say I was slapstick as such. A sense of humour helps in the workplace. I certainly wouldn't want to upset anyone. I would be appalled if that were to happen. The the GTCS did not find enough evidence to support these claims that he screamed at a pupil. (laughs) Um, Mr. Turkinson was also questioned over the allegation that he nailed a piece of wood to a door and caused distress to a pupil. He said, I'm a techie teacher. I have the skills and the knowledge to cut a piece of wood, which I did and then went with a battery drill and carefully screwed in screws. There were absolutely no nails involved, as that would shatter the glass. I wish that people (laughs) would give time and date so I could tell you exactly what I was doing. It was done in a very calm and very structured manner. Uh, Mr. Tuckington has been prohibited from reapplying to get back on the teaching register for two years. So, have you you ever, like, accidentally waved goodbye to somebody with an inappropriate item in your hand? (laughs) Funnily enough, no, I can't say I have. I, I can just envisage this though i have this gentleman as a kind of colin hunt from the fast show character in my head just that annoying prick that everyone hates and tries to avoid when he comes in and a wonderful description though of his overflowing box of fake penises (laughs) and it's a wonderful excuse that i must have had one in my hand as i that's an absolutely brilliant line when he says bye i'm off to teach and (laughs) what Like, if I was the judge, I'd have seen through that straight away. It's like, I think you're making that up, aren't you, mate? Who says that? My, I'm off to teach. Oh, no, I appear to be waving a double-ended black mamba in front of you. It's like, what? How did that get there? <laughs> oh, it's fallen out of my overflowing box of fake pieces. Overflowing box of double-ended I, I'm black amazed mambas. that... That this is what they're they're doing now in schools. I mean, like I say, obviously you didn't know, but in my day it was a banana, I think, or a cucumber. Whereas now they've they've just got full on. I hope it's um. What I would say is I hope that they are of adequate size as not to give the boys in the class a complex that why doesn't mine look like that and also to give the girls any unrealistic expectations of of when they're older and they come to 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 be intimate with in fact i'm not going down that route of speaking about um, that um yeah so obviously that's now i wonder if these are educational aids or if they are leftovers or or and summer's party. well well used <laughs> um no longer required by some of the the female teachers or if they've they've purchased them for this specific reason i have so many questions about this story <laughs> i mean it raises more questions than answers to be fair uh like you and i have obviously been out of high school for a long long time you know that's been like 26 years since i left school mm. and yeah like i say that's not how they were teaching us about sex no no overflowing boxes of penises being carried around the corridors of mintlow academy in aberdeenshire or st bernard's roman catholic school in barrow and furnace for that matter no so and why why is a techie teacher walking about with fake penises as well well? that's another thing that that begs a question he's described as a guidance teacher so like when we got taught about sex we were taught about sex and biology because it's science and stuff you know we went we went it wasn't it wasn't taught as a social subject because as far as the teachers were concerned we weren't supposed to be fucking doing it 
I I think it was my yeah guidance teacher Maybe. that taught us um, because we would have yeah biology obviously that's reproduction yes but in terms of yeah our guidance teacher we would have a I think a once a week class with her and I think it was just a general catch up of all the pupils and stuff and how things were going and discuss anything about the school but yes I do remember her illustrating and showing us um, how to put a condom I'm sure it was a banana positive it was because I keep going back to that and I'm thinking a cucumber would have made more sense because a banana is obviously a bit Maybe. misshapen but then it's hey got, maybe that's it's got that sort of rough bit at the tip as well that could like that could like yeah make a hole in the condom let me ask you a question yeah your guidance mm-hmm. teacher at school mm-hmm. did she yep. have a broad aberdeenshire accent uh no she didn't ah, no i just think i just think there'd be something really funny about somebody with a very broad aberdeenshire accent like labeling all the parts of the penis and the vagina arts so fidgety today is you you get a teat here and you squeeze out and you you roll it over the helmet and do the shaft and make sure it goes all the way down the shaft, right down, and make sure there's no air on the top of there, because if there's air, it might burst, and you didn't want it to burst. If it bursts, then you're fucked in more ways than one. Like that yeah, kind of thing. If, it, if it ever you do, then I try and haul it through the boss. It went... It, as <laughs> is, is the, the Reverend Westwood once said, make sure you wrap it up before you slap it up. So, take out as a lesson to you. Eh, none of this unprotected sex nonsense. Make sure you got condoms. If you're gonna gang shagging, make sure you're packing condom. If it's ever you do. No, she had quite like a little posh Edinburgh oh, accent, okay. so no, it was um yeah, yeah. But she was older, yeah. so it's not like you could, you know, go home and, and think a, about her describing these things. Have, have a good hard think about her up <laughs> and, in your bedroom. And and practice having a posh wank. <laughs> <laughs> So I was telling um, somebody the other day, I was out for dinner last week, I can't about how we got onto it, but I remember my mum sitting me down to talk to me about um, like the birds and the bees and stuff before I started high school. And she was going on about how it was important, how personal hygiene was even more important when you were going through puberty, etc. and you'd be growing up and offering to show me how to clean under my foreskin. I was like, oh, oh no, wow. It's fine, I think I can oh. probably work it out myself. Thank you, mother. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this uh, this teacher has been struck yeah. off, has he? So he won't be uh, teaching anytime no, soon. He'll have to. He'll have to proffer his uh, sort of not quite slapstick style of humour um, elsewhere for two years, and then see if he can get back on the teaching register. I hope the um, box of fake cocks belong to the school <laughs> and not him, because then they're going to have to source some I more. Just, I can just sort of see him driving despondently away from the school the day he was suspended by like a box in the boot with like his files and his pens and pencils and hunters of fake cocks <laughs> bashing about in the back of his Volvo estate that I assume he drives. Anyway, so that's uh, Derek Turkington. What's your first story this week? Well, nothing as good as that, Greg, unfortunately, but uh, I do have a bit of a swally trope today, which is oh. fighting pensioners, because we do love that. So uh, this is from Edinburgh Live this week, and the headline reads, Scottish man challenged relative to deadly graveyard duel. And I thought this was appropriate since it's our swally spooktacular. (laughs) So uh, a furious Scottish man challenged a relative to a graveyard duel and told him, only one of us (laughs) will make it out alive. (laughs) Randolph Angus 
demanded family member Kenneth Clark turn up to a fight to the death after a feud escalated during a funeral. Angus, 60, told his rival to bring a weapon for an old-fashioned duel at the historic Greyfriars Cemetery in Perth. He told Mr Clark to get tooled up for the face-off during a menacing phone call, Perth Sheriff Court was told. Uh, The record reports how Angus um, admitted causing fear or alarm by behaving in a threatening or abusive manner in the city on the 9th of March. His uh, fiscal deputy, Sarah Wilkinson, told the court, there has been a long-running family dispute between the accused and the complainer. On March the 8th, they attended a funeral in Perth. On this occasion, the accused did not speak to the complainer and the complainer did not speak to the accused. The following day at around 1.45pm, the complainer phoned the accused from his works van. Mr Clark said he was calm throughout the call. He asked the accused to leave his mother alone. The accused instantly became agitated, then stated to the complainer that they should meet behind the shed at Greyfriar Cemetery and bring tools. He said, only one of us will make out alive. Then he ended the call. (laughs) His solicitor said, uh, Mr Angus knows that it is not a very edifying spectacle to come before the court at the age of 60. His perception is that he tried to shake Mr. Clark's hand at the funeral and Mr. Clark refused. He admits that he was just annoyed and it triggered a reaction which he knows was not appropriate in any way. Uh, the sheriff deferred the sentence for six months to give Angus the chance to prove to the court he can stay out of trouble. He said, as Mr. Ralph has said, this was not at all an appropriate way to conduct yourself, but I understand you are remorseful. Uh, the sheriff told Angus that if he was able to maintain good behaviour then he would be sentenced next March and it might be right. thrown out of court so, so yeah 60 year old man he's just so there's obviously a family feud they haven't spoken for a while he's called him the other guy said leave my mum alone and he's just overreacted and said <laughs> right meet me at Greyfriars Graveyard tonight bring your tools only one of us is going to make it out alive he's watching Highlander and having a few drinks and he's like right fuck it this is Possibly. it it's the reckoning. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, I mean, like, you know, that just sort of takes you back to school days when disputes would be like resolved or not not resolved, like off school premises at like lunchtime. I mean, you you probably you always went home for your mm-hmm. lunch, didn't you? So you were probably well away from all that kind of thing. But I remember remember people like arranging like the sort of kind of morning break or before the bell rang first thing in the morning, somebody had like a fallen out or over something, and it'd be like right mm. swing park at lunchtime, and so that you'd you'd wander up to the swing park yeah. and like it would be fucking packed with kids just yeah. all excited hoping and hoping to see a fight and inevitably they might not fight and if they did it would just be shit be like two guys rolling about on the floor and everyone's everyone's there to see blood mm. and it's just two guys trying to get each other on a headlock yeah. or two girls pulling each other's hair yeah no, it always happened and as you say it was amazing how quickly word would just yeah. spread around the school and obviously if it happens in a class then the whole class knows and then when you're making your way to another class during like the end of a period then word just spreads and everyone knows about this no we had that it was always either yeah, twelve fifteen, so lunchtime on the hill, because when you came out of our school there was this little hill. Or it was three fifteen on the hill. And the hill wasn't the best place yeah. to have fight, really, because there was a lot of balance. And I remember one in particular. There was this new boy started at school. Um he'd come from he'd come from a private school in Aberdeen and he transferred to us just for his last two years. I think his parents had got divorced and right. maybe couldn't afford right. to send him there anymore. And instantly this fat lad had a problem with him because deemed him to be posho so 
fight. Okay, great. So yeah, the, the, the fight on the hill, which I say wasn't the best because the fat lad went to charge this other guy. The other guy obviously fancied himself as a bit of a Johnny Lawrence and um, <laughs> delivered this roundhouse kick, which to be fair, he caught the fat guy square in the face, but the momentum, the fat guy then tumbled down the hill. But the, the guy lost his footing and he tumbled down the hill as well. So it kind yeah. of ended in a no contest, yeah. really. But uh, it, was a, it was a great spectacle yeah. to see. At least the fat kid got kicked in the face. So it sounds like it served him right. It's not often you see a roundhouse mm. kick in a school. I think fight, I've told though. you before, like my old flatmate Dale getting into a fight. They had the only fight I think he ever got into in his life. Mm. And it was at break time. I mean, he tried to roundhouse kick a kid and the kid just ducked. And Dale's like, foot went flying harmlessly over his head. But then he changed <laughs> tack and just like twatted the kid right in the face and ended the fight in about two seconds. Uh, you'd yeah. think these uh, pensioners would know better. And it, there's a photo of Randolph Angus and right. he does look like a, a like tasty, he's up for it? a rock. Like he's, he's got a like he's yeah I mean he's got a how can I describe right. it? He's got a baker boy hat on and you know like a peaky blinders and he's got these glasses he's got what looks like a like a Ted Baker shirt and then a blazer over it as well. He looks like right. he's he's Looks a bit tasty. He looks like a you know, proper <laughs> yeah, he knew yeah, the yeah. craze type thing. <laughs> yeah. Which is why he's telling to get bring your tools, get tooled up. Yeah, in Perth, <laughs> you know, not exactly known for. Yeah, in Perth, not exactly known for its hard men. I wouldn't have thought. No, well, there's an opening, so he's obviously staked his claim for it. So <laughs> there you go. Watch out if you're going to Perth for Mister um, Randolph Angus because he's. Um, might challenge you to a fight in a graveyard. What would you do if you had like a kind of disagreement with somebody and he was like, right, I'll see you. I don't know. Think of a venue. I'll see you in the Pataudry car park on Wednesday night at eight o'clock. <laughs> would, would you go just to see if he turned up or would you be drive past <laughs> and just see if he's is he there? <laughs> well, that kind of brings attention to yourself, don't you? But you would be, you'd be sat at home wondering, like, I wonder if he's there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I probably would go along, but from a distance, <laughs> yeah, just to yeah. check if he was there. But then you don't want to get caught in case he's got, you know, his heavies patrolling the area yeah. to see if you are yeah. you turn up. You know, if, if he says Pataudry Car Park and you're up on the top of the broad hill on the spying roof. down. Yeah, yeah. You're, you know, you're like, ah, oh, he's there. What a prick. <laughs> yeah, oh, well. Exactly. Right. I'm off home to go and watch you once to be a millionaire. And you turn around and here's three of his goons standing there. And you're like, oh, fuck. And then they, they march you to him and you've got to say you didn't bring your tools. Yeah, I'll, I'll just nip home, and get my, like I'll nip home and get my tools. I'll be, and I'll be back. <laughs> I didn't think you'd be here, so I didn't take them. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I think I probably would. Why? What would you do? Yeah, I think I would probably do the same. I would probably maybe sort of drive past really sort of slowly in like a in, in like my wife's car or something just see if he's there then can, not drawing any attention to yourself then can, driving by slowly I can you always, can wear a wig as well <laughs> yeah dark sunglasses and a baseball cap <laughs> Yeah, and then if it's, if he's got if if he if he's got honours, I can always like just like put my foot down and power out of there. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, there you go, listeners. That's what you know. What we're going to do if uh, anyone yeah. <laughs> emails us, gets in touch, culturesmiley at gmail dot com. If you want to challenge either of us to a fight yeah. and bring our tools. Okay, Greg. What else have you seen this week in Scotland? Uh, well, I too have got a. Swally Trope. And this is from the Daily Record on uh, the 20th of September. Uh, the headline reads, Scots mechanic exposed himself to teen girls in prank gone wrong. <laughs> At tourist, okay. at tourist attraction, um, Callum Carlyle showed his penis in, 
I might, I might not get through this. Um, <laughs> Callum Carlyle showed his penis in optical illusion, making objects look larger, but was unaware that footage was was being beamed to another room. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, uh, a Scots mechanic exposed himself to a room full of teenage girls after a prank went wrong at a tourist attraction. Callum Carlyle whipped his penis out while larking around with an optical illusion device which made objects look larger. The 25-year-old was alone in a room at the Camera Obscura in Edinburgh with his girlfriend and thought no one else could see, but the image was being projected onto a screen in another room where 15-year-old girls were gathered. Police were called to the popular attraction on the Royal Mile, and, shame- <laughs> and shame-faced Carlyle was charged. Moments before realising that the stunt had backfired, Carlyle's girlfriend told him, I can't take you anywhere. Carlyle appeared at the city sheriff court on Tuesday where he admitted conducting himself in a disorderly manner by exposing his penis and committing a breach of the peace. Camera Obscura has five floors packed with more than 100 illusions and rooftop views of the capital. There's a picture of Caleb outside court with his hands over his face, hoping that nobody recognises him, obviously not realising that he was going to be in the paper. Uh, the fiscal depute Ross Carville said the incident happened around 1.30pm when Carlyle and his girlfriend were in the Ames room at the attraction. Mr Carville said, there w- Mr Carville, sorry, said there was a device in the room that creates an optical illusion changing the size of, the, of an object. The prosecutor said the accused unbuckled his belt, unzipped the flies on his trousers and removed his flaccid penis from there. I mean, you know, just say he got his cock out. <laughs> you know, his flaccid penis. I mean, the fact that that might be the only thing that saved him, to be honest, the fact that his penis was flaccid. Yeah. Uh, Mr. If he had a stoner, then yeah. <laughs> He'd have been shafted. <clears throat> um, Mr. Carville said he has then held his penis in his hand and walked to the other side of the room. Thus, he appears to grow in size. He then placed his penis back in his trousers. His partner walked out of the room and witnesses overheard her saying to him, I can't take you anywhere. Uh, He followed her out of the room. Unfortunately, that illusion is projected onto a screen in an adjacent room where members of the public saw what the accused had been doing, including girls aged 15. The matter was accordingly reported to the police. The Crown accepted that there was no significant sexual aspect to the conduct, which took place on the 1st of August 2020, the court heard. The defence agent, Nigel Bruce, said his client had behaved with stupidity while having what he thought would be a great laugh with his girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Bruce said Carlyle had been shamed and embarrassed, while his partner's comment that she couldn't take him anywhere really hit the nail on the head. The solicitor said prosecutors accepted the behaviour wasn't sexual and was about men being concerned about the size of their appendage and trying to do something about it at Camera Obscura. I mean, I don't know who these men are that are going to Camera Obscura trying to make their cocks bigger, but somebody should tell them that it doesn't really make your cock bigger. And Mr. Bruce said it was a great surprise to Carlyle of uh, San Quar in Dunfries and Galloway that the images are being projected in another room. There's like three photographs of this poor guy just like walking out of court with his hands over his head, <laughs> hands over his face. 
his client has spent two years worrying about the possibility of being added to the sex offenders register. Oh, he added, yeah. he's mortified that he's here. He accepts the childishness of his behaviour. Uh, Sheriff Fiona Reith said, this is an extremely unfortunate situation. It's clearly caused great embarrassment to you. You are not aware that the camera relayed to another room. So she has admonished him and let him go on his way without any charges. Just a telling off. Quite right too, I think. Come on. It's a bit of a joke. I mean, my main concern with this is those 15-year-old girls, because much like the first story, I hope they don't get unrealistic expectations of (laughs) what... You seem uh, looks you, like. you seem quite uh, concerned about managing the expectations of teenage girls in this episode, Nicky. <laughs> That's very true. Um, moving on, uh, I oh, come on. He's just having a laugh, but yeah, obviously he doesn't. He doesn't know it's going to be projected in the room. Yes, is it stupid? Yes, of course it is. But I. I genuinely can't say I wouldn't have done the same thing in my youth had I thought... It would that, be a great laugh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, come on. I think this thing. Oh, look at this. Way. Of course, if you've got some sort of camera or device that makes someone look bigger, you put your hand under it or something. Whoa, that's great. Yeah. And of course, as a man, your next thought is, I wonder what my knob looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to do it, of course. Yeah. You're not going to think it's going to be screened. I hope, <laughs> unless there were signs saying this is screened in the next room, but... Obviously, there weren't no. because you wouldn't do it otherwise. I'll bet there's no malice in it, and <laughs> yeah, I'll bet there is now. You're right. Um, and for his girlfriend to be just kind of uh, that's ridiculous. She's obviously just been like, oh, I can't take you anywhere. Whereas the court have kind of used that against him. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like she's basically like, can't take you fucking anywhere, you fucking nonce cunt. You're always flashing kids. <laughs> like, well, when an RS McCall's earlier, you had your pants down at the sweetie aisle. Can't take you anywhere. That's what they've twisted her words to say. She's obviously just been like, what are you like? Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> like I've got a bit of sympathy for him. Yeah, of course it's stupid, but mm. oh, come on, he was just having a laugh. We've all been there. It's not like he got his cock out and pushed it against a restaurant window on a busy Friday night. Exactly. I know, because I think that restaurant window, I've got a funny feeling the glass works the other way on that and it makes things look smaller. (laughs) So he wouldn't be doing that, obviously. (laughs) Wants to make things look bigger. Uh, He's just having a laugh. But yeah, as you say, I bet there's fucking signs on there now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Please be careful. Yeah, please please don't unzip your trousers and take your flaccid penis out in this attraction. In case there's... Teenage girls next door. What was the gentleman's name? Callum Carlyle. Oh, if only it had been Lloyd. It would have made a great camera obscure upon <laughs> in terms of oh, yeah. well, Lloyd, I'm ready I'm ready to be to be cock growing yeah. or right. something. I don't know. Lloyd needs a bit of work. I'm not ready to be put on the sex offenders register. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it would have been a travesty had he been put on the register for yeah. something like that. That's, you know, it's, it's a total mishap. And I bet as soon as he realised he was mortified. Yeah. And, and then, could you imagine the, the the aftermath of that? You've done that. You're laughing. You and your girlfriend, oh, what are you like? You know, I know. You come through the next room and here's a bunch of schoolgirls and a nun standing <laughs> yeah. there. And you're like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. And then they're like, well, sorry, but we've just phoned the police. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, come on, I get a grip. It was just a laugh. Yeah. Honestly, if you phone the police, are you serious? <laughs> so then, I guess a security guard must have had to then detain him because I would have been out there sharpish. Yeah, but I guess they've yeah, someone's had to detain him and said sorry. You step in, and then you're going to be saying to the security guard, "Oh come on, yeah. are you telling me late at night you've never done that when you're patrolling, <laughs> night watchman? You've never put your cock in." There. <laughs> 
And the guy's like, well, yeah, of course, I've done it every night. but <laughs> Yeah, but not when, the, not when there's loads of kids in the fucking attraction. What a shame. Oh, well. At least he's uh, got off on it, so to speak. A shame. Poor guy. Yeah, so that's Callum, uh, shame-faced, leaving court, uh, hoping nobody will recognise him by putting his hands over his face. What, um... <laughs> What's your what's your second story this week? Okay, Greg, we've got a new drink in the market in Scotland. So Scotland's national drink, whiskey. Yeah, mm-hmm. Scotland's second national drink, Iron Brew. Yeah, yeah. what's yeah. Scotland's third national drink? Buckfast. Buckfast. There you go. <laughs> so it is a new uh, drinks firm hoping to rival Buckfast in parts of Scotland after launching a new fortified wine with alcohol proof of sixteen ninety. Now. Sake. It says here, to rival Buckfast in parts of Scotland, I think it's going to be a very certain part of Scotland that this is going to be rivaling for. (laughs) So, this new drink is called King Billy, and it's thought that it's a nod to King William. It's thought that. It's it's thought that. It's thought that it's a nod to King William from the Battle of the Boyne, which it's thought will appeal to loyalists throughout Scotland as its launch in Glasgow approaches. (laughs) Its tagline is fortified to perfection. Uh, uh, Eyebrows were raised a couple of years ago upon the release of a King William gin, which is uh, named in honour of William of Orange which is a fan that apparently some Protestants and Rangers fans like. Mm. Uh, But the creators claim that it's a drink for everyone and it's not targeted in any particular way to any particular football supporters. Uh, They said there's a large market for some areas of fortified wine and they thought that we'd introduce ours to see if we could take a share of it as it was requested by a lot of our existing customers. Uh, We launched King William Gin after finding out that he liberalised the manufacture of gin in the UK, there you go, um, with his first act of parliament in 1690. Uh, Then they go on to speak about the gin but we don't really care about that, we're just caring about the fact there's a new bucky in town called King Billy. Uh, Two years ago, Amazon denied claims that it stopped selling King William gin because it was causing offence in Northern Ireland. Um, In a row, the makers allegedly posted on Facebook claiming people couldn't accept that the Dutch-born monarch officially titled King William III was a legend. Um, Although they expected a bit of criticism for the branding, it doesn't seem to be a big concern. Spokesperson said it should reach our stockist within the next 7-10 to days. Uh, Once our original stockists have gone through one cycle of stock, we will move on to Phase two of the launch, which will be to include moving onto other geographical areas and even an online shop. So I'm wondering if they're just selling this kind of roundabout govern kind of area, mm. you know? Um, Dutch-born Protestant leader William Orange, blah blah blah. Uh, caffeine-packed Buckfast has been heavily criticised over the decades in Scotland for its links with antisocial behaviour, but its makers claim it should be treated no differently to other brands of booze. Now, because Buckfast does have a certain reputation, you do think a Bucky and yeah. you do think it's it's kind of a the lower class. You put it in a, uh, I would say, a kind of with like Thunderbird or yeah. Mad Dog. It's Twi- associated 20. with antisocial behaviour. Yes, yeah. let's just be honest. Buckfast is, yeah, kind of the, yeah, it's not even as good as like Tenant Super or, no. you know, Carly Super. It's Buckfast. It's, it's probably the, be fair to say, it's probably the highest percentage of alcohol for the lowest monetary value, if that would make sense. Yeah, probably. I don't think it's very expensive. I mean, it's been, it's got to be well over 20 years since I ever bought a bottle of it. I, I think when you mm. bought a bottle once, like a little, like a small bottle, and yeah. I, I don't like it. I think if, if it's freezing cold, it's kind of, pal- it's sort of manageable, but room temp, which is the temperature it's kept in the newsagents, <laughs> shelf that. Um, it's not nice. So you wouldn't be trying King Billy 
fortified way. No, I, I, I can imagine that it's going to be quite polarizing. Um, yeah, the launch of uh, King Billy, um, you know, and the, and the fact that they've they claim to have uh, got the alcohol ABV to the. Like, 16.9 mm. <laughs> as well yeah because buck, Buckfast is a uh, 15 percent right um so yeah to get to 1690 is um quite a, an achievement i wonder how they've managed that <laughs> um and of course this is going to be a rival because Buckfast is it's fortified by monks isn't yeah it? In Buckfast abbey, abbey in so England. Yeah. yeah so of course this is to make sure that a certain section of glasgow don't have to drink wine that has an abbey on the front because <laughs> i can imagine that offends some people but now they can drink it with king billy on the front yeah everyone's happy so it's it's like um i wonder if they'll do like the pepsi challenge in glasgow <laughs> yeah. you know the Double, um, go, yeah <laughs> the forge <laughs> parkhead shop center glasgow fort can pitch up that's um, a great idea the the king billy challenge <laughs> um and see if you can the, the taste of the old generation yeah. <laughs> anyone could notice um but funnily enough that led to it's another story i'm not going to do the full story but it, it led to a, a thought about the the drinking culture in scotland because mm. i think it has changed a lot over the years and this was a, a story in the scottish sun this week about aberdeen university student union and we spent many a fun evening in the aberdeen mm. uni student union as it used to be mm-hmm. now i think it's just a pub kind of on campus and they're now going to stop selling alcohol because students aren't drinking they're going to turn it into a, like a tea room and a coffee shop and a smoothie bar because the students just aren't drinking alcohol yeah now i wonder if it's just they're not drinking in that place because it's crap or <laughs> just too far i out think it's a general <laughs> thing i i think it is genuinely a trend now that a lot of youngsters aren't drinking alcohol like we did back in the day they're they're having a healthier lifestyle which is great news yeah i did read i did read something about that last year that young people they 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 don't go to the pub um as a Mm. as a means of socializing because you know because of like smartphones and zoom and everything and not and stuff like that and the fact you know and i think just you know this is <laughs> the thing is like when when we were you know i i did i'm sure you did when we were young sort of young teenagers bef- maybe before we started drinking certainly i knew lots of cautionary tales like and there were mm. a lot of examples of cautionary tales even my own family that would you know that you but if they like, i think if you if you were if you had the sort of maturity i use that word very loosely but the maturity that we have now <laughs> i've just been pissing ourselves laughing at boxes of cocks and guys getting their dicks out in edinburgh tourist attractions you would you know you would sort of look to those to these sort of casual these alcohol casualties and think oh i maybe think twice but it yeah. never ever occurred to me when i was a young man that uh when i was a young teenager that as soon as i would could pass for 18 i'd be in the pub you know what i mean yeah i was just because it, it just seemed like the fucking best place in the world to be like yeah. especially when you especially when you can't get in because you're too young and and i was always quite lucky that i was always quite tall so i was able to get in the pub from I was about 15, 16 and never mm. ever got carded or anything like that. Um, but it was, it was just magical places, pubs, as far yeah. as I was concerned. But Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I completely agree. In some aspect, they kind of still are yeah. to me in a way. You know, when yeah. you go back, home uh, there's nothing like a, a little magical pub even here in amsterdam there's some amazing old pubs you go yeah. in and it, it unlocks a lot of quaint 
things. I remember there was a, a pub on my old road. I'd only been in it like twice. And they had like this jar of boiled eggs on the <laughs> counter, yeah. like hard boiled eggs. And you could just help yourself to an egg. Yeah. Who the fuck's want a hard boiled egg? Um, <laughs> you know, but little quaint things like that that you don't really see yeah. in a lot of places. But um, yeah, the pub does hold a lot of uh, magical things. And I think a lot of youngsters are missing out with all their healthy attitudes. Mm. I remember the student union on School Hill when the I can't remember what it had been before the one of the bars, but they turned it into Seasons, which was kind of a cafe. Mm. But they still had like draft tenants. <laughs> that was on the top floor, wasn't it? No, it was on the ground floor as you came in. It was like as you as you came oh, in. Oh yeah. So it was yeah, a yeah. sort of like they, they were going for a sort of cafe kind of vibe, but yeah. You could still get a pint of tenants and you could still mm. play a puggy with a two hundred pound jackpot <laughs> <laughs> because it was a club. So because it was only clubs that were allowed to have um fruit machines with such high jackpots back then. I think a pub, the highest jackpot you could get was like ten or fifteen pounds. Back in those okay. days, the mid nineties. But if you went to a club you had two hundred pounds jackpots. Okay. Yeah. I never it must it. have been yeah, maybe private clubs as well, because I yeah. know my golf club had two two hundred pound jackpot. Yeah, that's what puggies. I mean. Private clubs, not like nightclubs yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, private clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And now, of yeah, course, the union um, was a private club because you had to have a student card to to get in unless somebody course. signed you. In. Yes, yeah. very true, very very true. Yeah, so um, yeah, be no more. It's going to be turned into a, a tea room, and maybe uh, maybe it'll do the same as you mentioned. You know, they might just have one <laughs> sort of tenants draft uh, there, just in case of emergency, yeah. in case someone's gasping for a pint and doesn't want a cup of Earl Grey. Yeah, yeah. I feel green, a fucking wheat, what's it, wheat grass or the smoothie or something disgusting like that. <laughs> I mean, that like, that's, all, that's all part of the kind of, well, maybe it's not anymore. I'm sitting here saying, well, it's all part of the student experience, but I've not been a student for fucking like 25 yeah. years. But um, but it certainly was, it used to be, you know, it was like sort of freshers week and get, you know, getting all your, getting your book with all your little offers that were yeah, on, you know what I mean? That was it though. Yeah. Going out, getting battered on your first night, missing your lecture on the second day, <laughs> yeah. waking up in a halls of residence when you don't even go to halls of residence <laughs> and a strange room and yeah. um, having nightly romances with people that you'll probably never speak to for the next four years because yeah. you're embarrassed about that first night. Yeah, um, yeah fond memories. Yeah. <laughs> Take me back. Yeah, Remembering how to put a condom on from being shown how to do it with a banana when you're at school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you have you have you brought protection? I have brought protection, but before we start, have you got any bananas? I just need to try something. <laughs> Bear with oh, me. Oh no, it's not a chiquita. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, is there anything else that you've seen this week, Greg? That you'd no, like to talk about? That's all the news fit for the podcast mm, this week that I could find. Wonderful. Okay, well, before we go on to our first spooky subject on the Culture Swally Spooktacular, I promise I'll stop calling it that, <laughs> um, then before we go into that, let's have a little word from our sponsors. I'm Dawn. And I'm Cole. And Scottish Murders is a true crime podcast dedicated to people from or living in Scotland. Just like anywhere else in the world, these murders can be truly horrific and shocking, and we want to shine more light upon them. Join us every two weeks on Scottish Murders, where we'll bring you cases both solved and unsolved, giving you an insight into the other side of Bonnie Scotland. 
Find us wherever you stream your podcasts, as well as on social media. Join us there. Bye! All right, so it was your choice this week, Nikki. So why don't you introduce what we're reviewing? Thank you very much, Greg. Yes, well, I wanted to look at something a little bit different this week for our Swally Spooktacular to kick off our Halloween this year. So I decided to go with something that aired on BBC One, and it's called Govan Ghost Story. So this aired on the 7th of March, 1989 at 9.30pm on BBC One across the whole of the UK. And it was written by Brian Elsley, uh, directed by David Heyman and starring Tom Watson. Govan Ghost Story tells the tale of Jock, an out-of-work ex-shipbuilder who discovers that old memories are awakened in a terrifying and dangerous way when Jock encounters a strange little girl in the high-rise block of flats that he lives in, in Govan. Um, who is she and what does she want? So, Greg, had you seen Govan Ghost Story before? And do you have any memories of it? I hadn't seen it. Okay. I feel like I definitely heard about it. Or maybe I'd seen it, maybe, mm. when I've been doing uh, research for other episodes of The Swally. Mm. Because obviously Brian Elsley uh, is a writer of uh, The Young Person's Guide Becoming a Rockstar, uh, among other things. Yeah. Uh, the Crow Road as well. Um, and um, he did um, Complicity, that's, film version yeah, as well. That's right. Um, so I'm, maybe I've seen it there because when you told us on our last episode that we're going to be reviewing that this week, like the name definitely rang a bell. I had never seen it before and uh, I actually really, enjoy, <laughs> really enjoyed it. Yeah. When it's, as, as it started off, uh, I was a bit... It's got a touch of the kind of of the kind of Peter McDougal's about it, but um, mm. I like uh, like I, I don't like, I, I struggle to believe in ghosts, but I do mm. like a good sort of proper ghost story, so a kind of woman in black type ghost story, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, I really liked it, and I think I, I'm the same. I'd never seen it, and it just it kept cropping up whenever I was looking at things. And you know, similarly, even if looking at David Heyman, I would see that he directed this, yeah. and it kept cropping up. And I did bookmark it a few months ago, thinking I'm going to save that for Halloween. And I hadn't watched it up until I didn't mean to, to test it in case if it was a load of shite. But <laughs> I thought I'll just leave it. Let's watch it for the swally. I really enjoyed it as well. And same as you, I'm kind of watching it, thinking, okay, how's this going to be? But it's really good. I mean, it's only an hour long, mm-hmm. so you're not wasting much time. It's it's quite funny in a few points yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, there are a few laugh out loud moments and I, I wouldn't go so far as to say I didn't find it scary because of course I was watching it on a laptop in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. But maybe if if I was watching it on my TV with the lights out at night, then maybe a couple of little jump scares might have come out of me. I can tell you that if I had watched this at the time that it came out, at the age that oh, I yeah. was, I'd have had fucking nightmares. Yeah, I, I agree with you at that. Yeah. I think if I'd yeah, watched this in 1989 as like eight years old, yeah. then yes, it would have probably scared <laughs> yeah. me if I'd watched it like 9.30 at night and then like, okay, off to bed. Oh, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I agree. It, it does. There's something special about this because it does take all the kind of tropes that we have spoken about in terms of like banging doors and haunted dolls and spooky singing, mm-hmm. but it puts it all in a fucking governed tenement yeah, rather yeah. than like a stately home you would see. And it just, something about it just makes it so quirky and it works and it, it's I don't know, it just feels like familiar mm. in a way something it must be about like the tenement setting i think yeah yeah for sure and the thing about though the thing about those tenements was that you know like i remember being in 
I remember like having relatives in Glasgow that lived in some of them around sort of Springburn and places like that. And the, the kind of communal areas were always pretty grim. You know what I mean? Like you see the, mm. if you watch Still Game and you see the floor that Jack and Victor and Isa live on, looks fine. And and probably they are mm. now, you know, they, I imagine there's not, a, there's not a great deal of them left because a lot of them have been knocked down. But um, I imagine people probably, it's probably more of a community that sort of take care of the communal areas and stuff. But I remember some of them being fucking absolutely horrible yeah. when I was a kid. You know, you were getting a lift and it would stink of piss and bloody be all graffitied and things. And, and it would make a real racket going up the floors. So you would never know if it was going to make it to the floor that you were trying to get to. So they, so they do sort of lend themselves quite well to a sort of spooky kind of tale but the thing is like they're not even that old those tenements you know like i imagine that one mm. that um that this is filmed in i'd be surprised so like i mean it was probably filmed in 1988 came out 1989 but it's probably like 25 only 25 or 30 years old <laughs> that tenement yeah and it, i mean it looks fucking ancient yeah you know yeah, it looks grim. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean, yeah. Um, and as you say about the kind of communal areas mm. that, as you say, the kind of reference recently is exactly that. It's still game. Yeah. And I'm sure there's episodes they go at another floor and it's like, you know, bike parts lying around yeah. and stuff. And Manky Frankie. You know, it just depends on the neighbour that you've got. Yeah. It could be a complete arsehole. So it's quite a simple story really as well. It's not an hour long. It's about Jock, who is an out-of-work shipbuilder, signs on the dole. He's obviously living alone. His wife's long dead. Um, He's got one daughter, Brenda, who's slightly estranged from, but she does kind of come and visit occasionally, yeah. but I think a bit less. They've got a bit of a, a strained relationship. Indeed. And Jock's just kind of filling his days. He he's, goes to the pub. He's, he's writing his book about the shipbuilding. And then just all of a sudden, he starts seeing this little girl appearing in the hall. Now, my question would be, why now? He's been living in that. I think, does he say he's moved in like three years yeah, ago? Yeah, when he's trying to talk to the old lady that lives across from him. Um, yeah. He says that he's been there like three years, I think. So why now? Why is this girl coming to him now mm. after three years? Because this happened long ago. The Yeah. Well, spoiler alert, everyone. Go and watch Gub and Ghost Story. But it turns out that this little girl had died in the apartment. Um, her father was abusive and then threw her over the balcony and then took a a header himself, yeah. um, as it turns out. So, obviously, that's long ago before Jock moved in, but why now? Why is she just appearing to him now? Well, I mean, I took it as being, like, you know, his guilt about... So, like, this, his backstory is he, as you mentioned already, he's he's been a, a shipwright on the Clyde. Um, he's sort of... His, a lot of his memories are around the, the 1971 working that happened on the Clyde in Glasgow uh, with uh, Jimmy Reid mm. sort of famous uh, union leader he made that famous speech that there'll be no hooliganism there'll be no bevying they're going to have a working instead of striking they were going to come into work even though um, they weren't getting paid uh, and all that sort of stuff and you know his quite a left wing guy you know like uh, his soon to be son-in-law calls him comrade at one point um, you know to sort of have, have been having a go at him you know so it, and we also find out that his wife died when his daughter was Brenda was quite young and she sort of became mm. the sort of she sort of kept house for them both when she was a little girl so it seems you know we find out that Brenda she comes to see him to tell him that she's getting married and it seems to sort of cause him to think to think back to how he how he treated Brenda, but he's so sort of proud that he can mm. 
sort of see the kind of error of these ways and how he didn't do right by her when she was a little girl, how he didn't look after her properly. He was so concerned with the working and the union. And, you know, I sort of took that as being that's what, you know, he, he, the, the, he sort of failed his own daughter as she was growing up. And this little ghost girl kind of gives him a, a second chance to save her, you know? And so in, yeah. so in, in, in saving her, although she's obviously, as you mentioned, she's long dead, he, um, he sort of comes to the realisation that he needs to stop being such a cunt to his daughter. <laughs> simplifying. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, but you're completely right. I think that that is it. I mean, you can kind of tell that Jock is not a, a bad guy as such, but he's just, he's haunted by his past mm. in a way. You know, he's obviously the, the act of his past, the death of his wife, the tattered relationship with his daughter, it, being unemployed. He kind of can't really do anything right. Mm. As we see at the start, he he sleeps in and kind of misses the the dole office yeah. so cat cashes check his mates take pity on him and say come on i'll buy you a half and they'd ask him yes what are you up to he tells them he's writing a book yeah and they take the piss out of him yeah, yeah. Like, the fuck's gonna read that you know so he can't really catch a break it's just kind of shattering all of his his aspirations he's you know, the one thing he's thinking you know what i'll write a book and the first people he tells like just take the piss yeah. out of him and i guess that is it he's looking for something and he does become kind of all consumed by this this little girl that he sees in his, his apartment and having those flashbacks to brenda when she was a little kid you can see that he is he feels guilty about it yeah. and she's all kind of smiley but as the flashbacks become more frequent. You see that he did. You know, he could have been a slightly better father yeah. to her. And even then, when she comes around as an adult and kind of says that she doesn't come round that often now, yeah. why would you? Yeah, really. If you're just getting that, you know, kind of depressing. Yeah, she's actually she's she's quite a kind of virtuous character because mm. you know, like to your point, when you you see, you know, the, I think the the first flashback you see is of of them when she is a little girl, is him coming out the yard, her running up to him, mm. he scoops her up in his arms and sits her up in his shoulder and everything, and then as the flashbacks go on, you know, there's a scene where he comes in, he's hammered, drunk, and he falls on the floor under the under the dinner table. There's another scene where he throws a a glass or a mug mm. or something at the wall to to make her go away and things you know and she's had this very difficult childhood she's lost her mother when she was quite it's never really it's never really said exactly how young she was but she obviously was young because in the flashbacks she's young she's lost her mother she's had a father who's been quite neglectful and yet she still wants him to give her away at her upcoming wedding you know she still wants to have a relationship and he can't quite get out of his own way. You, you kind of feel that he yeah. wants that as well. I mean, he's he's kept her dolly. Although, I mean, of all the things he could have kept, I wouldn't be keeping a fire. I fucking hate dolls, honestly. I'd have flung it out the window yeah. as well. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but he's kept her doll. That she, I assume it was hers from when she was a little girl. He's... You know he's got a, mm. he's got he's got his picture of his uh, late wife and stuff, and he, he, you kind of feel that he wants that as well. There's the, the, that scene where he goes round to their house in the Merchant City to have dinner. He kind of turns up unannounced. I mean, it's yeah. I mean those the, the the people that they have round for dinner. <laughs> just if somebody said go and write a sketch 
with some 1980s stereotypical yuppies in it. They were exactly, <laughs> exactly what they would come up, those two characters. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he's sort of making an effort, but then the whole yeah. the whole story, the, the whole thing about her, they start asking about, you know, when she was a little girl and, you know, the, the guy's kind of doing down Govan, you know, mm. you know, it's a bit rough now. But I mean, he, he was fucking miles off there when he said that Govan was coming up and it would be the place to be. Yeah. Not quite sure that that ever came to fruition over the years, but um, but you know, but he's really trying, but he just can't get out of his own way because he's so he's so proud, you know, he's a sort of staunch unionist. Obviously, you know, it'd be difficult for anybody to raise a to raise a child on their own, but especially a guy mm. in those days, you know, yeah, uh, and a guy, a sort of working class guy. But yeah, she's you know, she kind of gives him chance after chance. You know, no, I, I, yeah, you're right. I, as you say, that opens the first time we see her, she's come round to announce that she's getting married and asks if um, he will give her away. And and of course, you can tell it's a big thing when she says it's a church, mm. and he's obviously a, a staunch Protestant, I presume. And you know, I'm not gonna in a church. Well, of course, we, we see him in the pub. The, yeah. There's a, a rousing rendition of Billy Boys going mm-hmm. on in the background, so we kind of know where, where he stands there. The next time we see her is at the graveyard. He goes to visit his wife's grave, and he obviously did love that. He, I mean, he is unemployed, but he picks up a bunch of <laughs> yeah. flowers from someone else's grave, takes a couple out, and then goes and lays them <laughs> on his wife's grave. Lovely first words to his wife as well. Brenda's getting married. The guy's a wanker. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brenda's getting married. Guys, a wanker. Oh, West End and wine bars. <laughs> but that wonderfully sums up yeah. what he thinks of Brenda's <laughs> yeah. uh, potential. It's Willie, I think. Willie, yeah. And and it turns out Brenda's been there, listed to all of this, but she doesn't come down until Jock's gone. Yeah. So you're thinking, okay, this is going to put extra pressure on them. But you're right. The next time we really see her is when he goes round. Is that or do they come round to the I flat th- again? I think she comes round on her own once after that and has another try. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then he goes round, yeah, because yeah. he feels guilty, I think, yeah. Yeah. So that, so just to go back a moment or two, you mentioned that first scene when they're in the pub. So mm. there's a line that somebody says there that yeah, it kind of evoked a few memories for me, but they mention that they're off to see Rangers and it's a team, mm. it's a team full of Englishmen, which yes. is right um, because, you know, famously uh, English teams were banned from Europe because of the, mm-hmm. it was a high show disaster. So a lot of English players came to Scotland and a lot of them ended up at Rangers. Mm-hmm. And I think to a slightly lesser extent, Celtic. But mm. Aberdeen's European Cup winners, like the team, were there any English players on that team? Um, I don't think there was. Actually, I don't think no. there was either. No. And I think that was before Heysho. I think Heysho was 1984. I should probably should have looked at list before, <laughs> before making my point. <laughs> uh, no, it was a full Scottish 11 um, on the, the Aberdeen team yeah. and bench as well. Yeah. And in fact, Real Madrid, there was only two players in the whole of both teams that weren't from their respective country, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, the yeah. whole Aberdeen team were Scottish, the whole Real Madrid team were Spanish, apart from one Dutchman and one German. Oh, there you go. There you go. But yeah, of course, the English teams, yeah, being banned, so there was an influx. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I did think that was quite a funny, because of course it was Sunis' Rangers, yeah, and yeah. that was around the time he was signing like Chris Woods and Teddy Butcher. Mark Haitley, yeah. Teddy Butcher, yeah, Gary Trevor, Trevor Stevens. Gary Stevens. And Gary Stevens. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah uh, Chris, you say Chris Woods. Yeah, he was goalkeeper for Pignos, wasn't he? Yeah. And the English 
number two or number three keeper after Peter Shilton. Yeah, been Shilton at the time, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there was um, yeah quite an influx at the time. Yeah. Which obviously didn't go down well with some of the the locals. No, but then one of them does concede. Well, at least they're winning a few games. I was thinking, well, <laughs> pretty sure Rangers were... You know, the the old Rangers were a reasonably consistent team for years and years before uh, as soon as started signing hundreds of English guys. Anyway, yeah, I thought I, I I see because that scene was quite early on. I thought, well, is this mm. is it going to be a bit footbally this? But they, they just you know, they just, I think they just no. I think I don't think they could have called it a govern ghost story without a nod towards Ibrox somewhere. You know, yeah, I think there has to be. I mean, but that's the thing. It, it's called Govan Ghost Story. You don't really see a huge amount of Govan in it as such. No. You see a little bit, yeah, but not a huge amount. You see some of the bits by the river, like the old shipyards. There's a there's there's a good yeah. the, the scene when Willie takes a uh, jock in the car. That is go buy him a drink, but they end up parking next to the river. And Willie's is that I think it's a Ford Orion. Remember the Ford Orion? It was sort of like yes, it was kind of like it was like an escort, but they're kind of one up from the escort. Like they they park yeah. on the other side of the river from where the Glasgow Garden Festival was being set up, and they talk about the, the roller coaster, the Coca Cola, mm. the Coca Cola roller coasters that would become. I quite like that because I remember like, like although Glasgow was undergoing quite a wave of gentrification at the time there were still some fucking really rough parts of glasgow and they there still are like but like any other city you know what i mean it's but um you know like there were some fucking dog rough parts of glasgow even back then and in that little stretch down by the river there just uh, on the edge of Govan was um, you can tell you can see from the the foot the, the you know the the sort of footage when they're panning around the car and stuff <laughs> it's fucking rough as fuck. How interesting that this 1989 this is set and then filmed. Yeah. I'll just say I presume it was 1988, yeah. and then one year later we have series one of Rabsy Nesbit, which has the Glasgow European City of Culture episode, yeah. which shows how far. In a year, Glasgow had kind of progressed. Well, or maybe just the bits that tourists would see. Yeah, they, how far the city centre had progressed, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, they, I think because yeah. yeah, Glasgow, well, we spoke about it, didn't we, in that episode? But Glasgow was awarded yeah. the European City of Culture in 1990. I mean, I think the, the Garden Festival was 1988. So I remember going when I, when I was. Mm. Was it? Yeah, it was 1988. Yeah, I can remember going. And um, so the, the, that shot, I mean, you know, it's hard to tell because I was watching it on my laptop as well. So I couldn't see a great amount of detail. But they do reference it. I think when they're back at, um, no, or even in the car, Willie says, you know, it's going to bring a lot of money and investment to the city. It's going to bring a lot of jobs to the city mm. and things like that. And it was a big deal, the Garden Festival. It's a really big deal. I remember it yeah. quite well. I, th- I think I've still got my tickets for the Coca-Cola roller coaster in my loft and my house oh. in Glasgow and steps. My little memory box. Oh, very nice. How <laughs> lovely. Uh, so Jock, played by Tom Watson. Mm, the Mint. Puts in a pretty... The Mint, <laughs> yes, of course. I think I've found someone that possibly rivals Ken Stock for who has played the most police officers. Because <laughs> if you look at Tom Watson's IMDb, yeah. just about every second role is inspector or sergeant or detective in some various different shows. Yeah. It's almost a one-hander this show i mean obviously there are scenes that he is with other people yeah. but there's a lot of the time that he's just himself yeah and or with a little girl <laughs> and he does deliver a very a great performance you really do believe you know the, the the kind of journey he goes on specifically some of the scenes where i think he's been through in the apartment i keep calling it apartment he's been in the flat next door yeah and he's really spooked out when he's looking in the mirror 
and he's seeing the reflection of the mm. the flat behind him all made up and it's it's not it's a shithole that's been abandoned for a couple of years but he's seeing it as all nice and made up yeah. and all furnished and when he goes back to his apartment and has a bath with a fairy liquid <laughs> and he's speaking to himself you know try to talk himself out of things it's it's a great performance and then he goes back in tooled up with his chisel yeah, yeah. to <laughs> fight off the ghosts it's it's really good and not even just that they are great but as you say the scenes with brenda you really do believe um some of the emotions there's a wonderful shot in that dinner party scene we spoke about when he's with the yuppies Mm. and they're all talking and all of a sudden the way it's shot it looks like they're all facing him and staring at his point of view isn't it and Yeah. yeah and to show i guess that he feels isolated out of place and that's when he and then the next shot is showing them normally around the table. So you know it's just in his head. And that's when he kind of panics, makes his excuses, thanks them for the racist dinner, and then just leaves. <laughs> thanks them for the racist dinner. Yeah. Well, he says a word that we're not yeah, going to yeah. say, but he, he, he thanks them for their meal of Chinese origin. Were you terribly young when your mother died, Brenda? Ah, she was. Too young to remember. Oh, I can remember plenty. It's you who's forgotten it all. Is that a fact? Well, I better go. Thanks for the chunky. What, what, what I liked about about his performance is you know he's. There's kind of two things about it. One, you know, he's as was the said was said about Jock already. He's a you know very staunch sort of in some ways kind of atypical working class widow, right? He's been widowed for years. It's all you. Know, it's it's clear that he's lived by himself for years. But you know, he's he's worked in the shipyards, like a very kind of male sort of atmosphere. And it's like, well, how how would somebody like that respond to? the fact that maybe there's a ghost kicking about or or like spooky unusual happenings and things and you you kind of believe him you sort you know cuz you you might think that he would uh, that, that type of person would be instantly dismissive of it oh, it's fucking whatever mm. just just roll over and go to sleep. You know what I mean? Um, when the door's banging or he, or he hears like some kids singing outside his door and he'd be, shut the fuck up out there, you fucker, or something like that. Don't make me come out there. Um, you know, you sort of assume, but you know, he's he's kind of believable in how, you know, at, at first he, like anybody would, he assumes it's something else and then it becomes a bit more unusual, mm. the sort of things that's happening. You know, when he sees a mm. little girl in that early scene when um, Brenda and Willie have let themselves into his flat, and he sees little mm. girl and then he goes in and he's like oh did you see that we get out there and they're like no and he's like oh that's kind of weird you know yeah. and then things become more and more unusual the noises the, the the little girl singing kids laughing then he starts to hear little girl crying and you know the the kind of tone and of how she's crying and the things she's saying suggests that somebody's mm. like beating her up mm-hmm. you know and you know he's like you, know, you mentioned it before you know the first thing he does is is grab a chisel and charge next door and you're like well i can kind of believe that 
you know, yeah. you know I'll, I'll just I'll just grab something just in case. You know, I know it might be a ghost or whatever, but you know, you never know. I might have to, I might have to uh, kind of plunge it. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> yeah, he's really good um, to uh, Tom Watson. And the the other party's performance that I liked was it would have been I think they they sort of resist this urge to completely reform him by the end yeah. you know what I mean so he, he does have that scene with Brenda at the graveside at the end and he's a bit more sort of outgoing if you like but he's not mm. entirely unguarded there's still no he's still who he is rather than have him sort of emotional sort of reconciliation at the graveside with his daughter oh I'm so sorry for everything that I've done all these years no. never apologizes to her for any of it you know what I mean but you but you but he still conveys to us, the viewer, that he is genuinely remorseful. And and you sort of get the feeling that she knows him well enough to know at the graveside at the end that you know, my dad's is changing here, you know? Yeah, there's definitely, it, it, it kind of doesn't need to be said. Yeah. As you say, it's not like he's turned up in a Hawaiian shirt or something and <laughs> Celtic top says one. that they... <laughs> Yeah, with a silly talk. Um, and saying that we need to talk about our feelings and stuff. And, you know, I, I think it's enough that there's kind of an unspoken gesture of something's changing and we're going to work through things. And it's interesting what you said about his performance and, and the way they develop. And it, it's really subtly and cleverly done, as you say. It's not like he's, when he first sees the girl, he's like, oh, it's a ghost. <laughs> but I did, I laughed. I, I'd written down in my notes, like, oh, Jock sees a girl and drops his messages, which is such a Scottish thing to say. <laughs> he drops his messages. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but as things progress, and uh, you know, when he's down in the pub, well, he's trying to speak to his neighbour and asking if someone's moved in, and he can tell something's wrong, that the way the neighbour's reacting. Mm-hmm. And then when he eventually finds out that it's a, he thinks it's a ghost and he's trying to get to her, and and then he asks his mates down the like the employment office, do you believe in ghosts? Yeah. And you know, his friend's like, no, he's a fucking stupid. So he's doubting himself. But he also says it's not until he doesn't the, believe in ghosts. You know, when they say, he says no, he goes, yeah, I don't believe in ghosts either. And it's not until kind of the, the off-the-cuff kind of conversation again down at the employment exchange when it's like, oh, are you living in that building? Oh, aye, that guy took the, you know, threw his girl yeah. uh, over the balcony and then took a, a dive and headed off himself. Yeah. That he suddenly like, oh my God. Yeah. And rushes back and then manages to speak to his neighbour. McCallum Court, is it no joke? Aye. How long have you been in there? A couple of years. Ah, you wouldn't be there when that heat case put his lash out the window. What? Aye. What was your name again, Alec? It was in the paper. Uh, do was it? Talking. A wee lassie, you've been kicking his shit out. Oh, are you bamper? The way I heard it, she was better after it. Oh, my God. Eh, when it happened in the old days. <laughs> you start a third world war and high flights, maybe you would notice. It is quite a subtly done, mm. you know, and it, and I thought very well in terms of not a, I mean, I'm not comparing this to like a Hollywood film, you know, in terms of glitz and glamour. I mean, this is grimy and dirty, yeah. but it's, it's very subtle the way that it's, it's done and, and it's revealed. And dare I say, makes it a little bit more believable. Yeah. That you can actually believe this is happening and this is the occurrence of things. Okay, when he gets the lift down to the basement and... Mind you, that's a dream, though. Yeah, That yeah, he, he has yeah. that. It's, it's because the neighbour says that the dad, effectively, someone did confront him and he did them in in the basement. Yeah. When it got to that, I thought, oh, okay, this is maybe taking a little bit of a... Almost like a Doctor Who yeah. kind of turn. 
but then it turns out he was dreaming about it, which makes it a little bit more palatable. Yeah, and 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 he's you know his interpretation of the abusive father is himself because that's yeah, what he sees, which I think is yeah. a clever beautiful yeah yeah beautifully done i thought that made it uh, a lot of yeah and, and that's maybe actually the realization that jock has and effectively the ghost and and seeing him is him battling his inner demons yeah. and he's that's the first step of conquering it because he's realizing mm-hmm. that the demon is himself and then by saving the girl in effectively the next scene yeah that's him conquering his demons wow that's quite deep i never actually thought about that yeah. that's a beautiful way to to think about that yeah. well that's the way it is really yeah. Yeah, yeah that's quite heavy i think i need a moment um <laughs> i think you know this was this was made as part of the play on one series and like mm. something that the bbc well not just the bbc but itv just do as well over the years have these like great sort of anthology tv series like itv had uh, tales of the unexpected the old Roald Dahl. And they were all like anthology series, little one-off weird mm-hmm. tales. And BBC, like we've we've done a few of the plays for today, like uh, mm-hmm. uh, down among the big boys and just a boys game and just on a Saturday and things. And they they don't always they they don't always um, land well. You know what I mean? But you're referring to the nuclear family there. <laughs> but the um, the you know they but just the fact that that TV was sort of brave enough then to just sort of like take a punt, you know, like we've got this young Scottish writer. I mean, Brian Elsie was, was it even, he was in his mid twenties when he wrote this, you know, and there's like, at the the beginning of the show, there's like, this this, it shows how important they uh, considered the writer to be. There's a little kind of headshot of Brian there at the beginning, his signature, mm. and then the credits roll at the beginning of the of the episode. And you know, I like, sort of commercial TV now on. I don't mean streaming, but like the commercial channels in the UK, it's series and reality shows and and quiz shows and things, and they they don't do anything like that anymore. Weird, you know. The only thing they have like this nowadays is, well, the two things that they have, I would say, like this nowadays is Inside Number Nine, mm-hmm. which again, it's, it's, but it's the same writers. Yeah, and the same cast and all that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not giving, well, it's different cast. It's, it's it, the two main, but yeah. they have guest actors yeah, on yeah, every that's week. What I mean, yeah. Um, and, you know, a completely new story. And I guess to a certain extent, Black Mirror. Yeah, Black Mirror is a great example. Yeah. You know, probably the closest because it's okay, it's written by Charlie Brooker. But it's a completely different cast every yeah. episode, and every episode's about something completely different. That's all we really have. But that kind of but Black Mirror kind of makes my point for me because it started off on Channel Four, and now it's on Netflix. Yeah. So all the new Black Mirror yeah. stuffs on Netflix. So you know, mm-hmm. Channel Four, you know, either they were massively outbid by Netflix, so they were happy just to sort of let it go. You know, I think it was a bit of the latter, to be honest. Yeah. I think I think I remember reading Charlie saying something like, look, we've had an offer from Netflix and Channel 4 saying, yeah, probably just take it then. Yeah. I, I seem to remember it was something along those lines, mm-hmm. which, a bit stupid, Channel 4. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's probably what happened. And I'm the same as you. I loved Tales from the Unexpected. Yeah, still sometimes watch old episodes <laughs> on YouTube. I've got a chance. And I think there's a lot of these plays on one and plays for today that were set in Scotland. There's quite yeah, a few I've clicked on looking at Wikipedia and it's a Scottish actor or set in Scotland. And a lot of them are really difficult to find though yeah I've, there's a quite a few i've searched for on youtube because where else you know i wish they would put them on iplayer or something but iplayer just doesn't seem to be big enough to to handle mm. all of the content and output but it would be great to see some of them sound really interesting and you know they might be shite once you've watched them but 
I'd, I'd like to be, be given the opportunity or yeah, be able to watch them. For sure, yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's possible, you know, I mean, like, some of the ones that we've done, they're very of their time, you know, as as, mm. as well-written and acted and entertaining as they've been, you know, they're, they're still very of their time. Like, j- just another Saturday, the you know, the one about uh, the Orange Band in Glasgow and stuff like that, you know, like, and j- just a boys game, probably the two that are, you know, they, they can only really be, they can only really have come out then, you know, they, I don't think anybody would say, oh, we know what we should do, we should write a, a play about two guys going out in a lash on a Friday in Greenock. <laughs> In 1978, you know what I mean. It's just like so, you know. But these like these sort of short, hour-long, real character studies, which is what they are. I mean, even this, you know, although it's set against the backdrop of a, a sort of supernatural uh, story, it's still quite a. It's still a real character, a real character study. A jock, you know, all the stuff yeah. about his time in the shipyards and the Jimmy Reed stuff, his relationship with his daughter and everything else. It's. Um, but you know, but that isn't at the expense of a couple of kind of spooky, unsettling moments. You know, no, no. This is, as you say, this is about a man who's been completely fucking broken. Mm. He's he's lost his wife. He's struggled for years. Probably his job is the only thing he's had keeping him going to try and raise his daughter. His daughter's left the nest. She's marrying another man. Mm. He's unemployed. A peanut um, salesman, as they call him, as he says. <laughs> yeah, peanut salesman. <laughs> um, he's been unemployed for five years, four months, and twenty-three days. Yeah. as he reminds us yeah. he's got fuck all going for him he's broken and it's about his kind of redemption and rebuilding himself and as you say it's so good the way they do it at the end that it's not just oh everything's great and everything's rosy you know there's no birds flying around his head as he goes to the graveyard and daisy's coming up it's you know it's still fucking grim life's still shit he's still out of work yep. but you know what he's going to try and rebuild the relationship yeah. with his daughter things aren't as bad and now he speaks to his neighbour he can go down for a cup of tea yeah yeah and maybe uh, you know who knows they're both similar age maybe little elderly romance no I think she's a bit older than him I think yeah I would have thought so yeah it's a as you say it's a very good character study just mm-hmm. but with a bit of a, a ghost story around it and but it, it's really good I really thoroughly enjoyed this I liked it I just wish I just wish that the resolution on, on YouTube had been a bit better because it was <laughs> it was a bit grainy, you know, because I guess because it's an old TV tape and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it, it should be grateful that we were able to see it, but exactly. um, unfortunately, um, another thing that we've done recently: soundtrack by the Blue Nile. Yeah, I've seen that. I don't know if I was in love with the soundtrack. To be honest, it was it was quite. I mean, it's it's very much of its time, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, I would say so. I guess that's like a lot of the Blue Nile. You can kind of take or leave sometimes. Yeah. So you might be. Well, you are definitely better placed to to know this than I would. But of course, these these flats. Apparently, the the flat was a real flat. It was Iona Court, which was in the flats located on Broomlone Road and Kintra Street. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that rings any bells to you. Rumor has it that those flats were actually haunted. Oh, really? Now that could just be kids saying that because there was yeah, kids used to date each other because it was the rumor that those flats were actually haunted and one of the sort of buildings was there. And on the corner of Kintra and Woodville Street, there was a street light, and the way the street light shone, apparently it cast a shadow of a man being hanged on gallows. 
Right. And that was why the kids used to be scared not to go there. That's just what I read online, though, anyway. So I don't know if it's true. Could just be half-arsed internet research. (laughs) Well, let me ask you a question, right? I'm going to give you the names of a few famous ghosts. And I want you to tell me if you think that Govan Ghost Story would have been better or worse had they been in it. Okay? You ready? Okay. Right. All right. First one, Timothy Claypole of (laughs) Rent-A-Ghost. Better or worse? Be- no. Better or worse? <laughs> I'm going to say better. It'd be more. I'd be. I'd like to see Jock's reaction to <laughs> Timothy Claypole come come leaping through <laughs> the clothes. He might have preferred yeah. uh, Nadia Popov instead because he's a bit of a uh, communist. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, next one. Sam Wheat. Patrick Swayze. Sam Wheat. Oh, for Patrick Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> um. I. I I'm envisaging a scene now of Jock on a potter's wheel making Brenda <laughs> uh, a dish that she can cook her Chinese meals out of. Patrick Swayze giving her a Swayze cuddle. <laughs> just there. Unchained Melody playing. Oh, well, actually, no, Billy Boys would be playing. Um, as or the sash. Jock pumping his foot <laughs> to the potter's wheel. Um, anything, Swayze makes anything better, but um, no, I don't think this would have worked quite as well. He might have copped off with a neighbour, Mrs. Duncan, was it? Yeah. Um, so, no, okay. I wouldn't say that Sam would have made this better. Okay, we've only got a couple more. <laughs> okay. Dr. Eleanor Twitty. Oh. I'm not familiar. Oh, you'll kick Dr. yourself. Eleanor Twitty. It's the librarian of Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, would she have made it better? Sc- scarier mm, maybe. At least she, maybe, yeah. She would have been definitely. quieter, for sure. <laughs> that's true. Um, you know, she would have been better because she might have been able to give Jock some tips for writing his book. Yeah, that's, that's good. So, yeah. yes, I'm going to say yes. Okay, right. Last one. Elliot Hopper, uh, played by Bill Cosby on Ghost Dad. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> um, 89. Um, he would have, I mean, at least we know he wouldn't have thrown the kid over the balcony. He'd have just drugged her with some milk. It wasn't kids, though. Cosby, was it? It was fully grown women. Yeah, Cosby yeah. wasn't a pedo. No, no. Was he was just, just a, a rapist. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I... Genuine question. Were there any black people in Govan at that time? <laughs> Probably not. But so ironically... He would have stuck out. Ironically... Although there might not have been any black people living in Govan at the time that this was made, which is remember at the same time as Ghost Dad came out. <laughs> Ian Bannon is in Ghost Dad, the uh, famous Scottish actor, Ian I, Bannon. <laughs> I can't remember what we covered that Ian Bannon was in, but when I did look at his IMDb, I did burst out laughing when I saw that he was in Ghost Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Because Ghost Dad was always um, an old friend of mine um, in Dubai. We used to always have a joke about Ghost Dad. I don't know. It was like whenever we said about, oh, do you want to go and see this film? Our answer was always Ghost Dad. <laughs> like it just became this joke. Um, this was before all of the Cosby allegations, yeah. I should say. So um, no, I do not think Cosby would make this better. So basically <laughs> what we've landed on is Timothy Claypole would make this better. Yeah. Although I, I do like that little scene that you described of Patrick Spacey giving Jock a cuddle was he maybe was yeah. as maybe as he's as he's writing his book with the sash playing in the background. <laughs> I think it could work. Yeah. yeah, they both have to be topless, obviously. Well, yeah, well goes um, to say, yeah. Maybe Jock in his vest because he's in advancing years, so it might be a yeah. bit drafty in that um, tenement. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Just need to watch Swayze around the windows because we know what happens there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> 
<laughs> the one thing I would think about, though, that crossed my mind is, it's towards the end that Jock finds out about the the dad that's thrown, um, I can't even remember her name now, is it Jessie or... I can't remember, um, I remember the dad's name was Doherty. Jeannie. Jeannie, Jeannie uh, Doherty. He'd thrown her over the balcony and then... Of course, and, and of course, foreshadowing that we we kind of find that out uh, earlier when Matt Costello is fixing his car <laughs> yeah. and the doll comes flying down. It's like Matt Costello just gets fucking everywhere, know, doesn't he? he does. Uh, <laughs> and the thing is, though, it's not um, it's not obvious. He looks different in a lot of things that we've covered him in. Yeah. his voice is so distinctive. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's 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 Soon pretty he's thin you- in this. Uh, comp- you know, it's a bit heavier <laughs> in the later stuff that he turns up in, but it's pretty, it's pretty skinny. Now, however, Jock has only moved into that building three years ago, as we've established. However, he's obviously lived in Govan all his life mm. because Brenda's left and has said she doesn't want to go back to Govan. So obviously they lived there. I know he didn't live in that building, but he lived in the area. Surely the scandal of a father throwing his young daughter yeah. over the balcony to her death and then taking a head himself would be pretty big news in the area. Yeah. Jock surely would have heard about this. Yeah, they, they, there was a bit where they sort of try and speak to that. They say something about sort of uh, people keeping themselves to themselves back then or whatever or what but you but to your point mm. that's still i mean that's national news you know what i mean it's not even yeah. like it's uh it would just be like in whatever the local kind of govern newspaper is you know what i mean that is national news i can understand because yeah you're right the, the, the neighbor does say like people kept themselves to themselves the theory there is that obviously all of the neighbors knew what was yeah, happening yeah. they knew he was abusing her but nobody did anything because it was none of their business yeah now regardless of that father and daughter falling off the balcony dying that's that's round that neighborhood like wildfire. Maybe not about the abuse claims, but you would know that, you know, some people might thought it was just a tragic accident. They were yeah. playing on the balcony and fell. Yeah, yeah. Everyone in Govan knows about that within 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, to your point, sort of like, well, it might, you know, like it's an accident, but everybody that mm. lives locally knows what really happened because yeah. they know that, you know, like it was no secret that he was mistreating this wee girl and banging her about and stuff like mm. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just find it a little bit difficult that Jock had no idea about any of this. Yeah, I get Well, yeah, I know. I mean, I, mean, I try to think, I mean, if you, if you worked in the shipyards, you probably lived in places like Govan for sure, Partick, Mm. Uh, sort of trades thinking area stuff like that you know it's um, you know it's the law of averages would dictate that he probably would have heard about it that was it that was my only kind of nitpick yeah. um, as I say other than that I I genuinely thoroughly enjoyed Govan Go's story um, I'll make sure I put a link to the YouTube in the description of this pod so if you want to watch it anyone then feel free yeah. to do so yeah we probably should have said about an hour ago if you're intending on watching it <laughs> stop listening to the podcast <laughs> and then come back and listen after you've watched it and see if you agree with our uh, comments or comments and opinions on it if you are a, a listener of the podcast though you would know it's on youtube because at the end of the last episode i did say it's available that's on YouTube. true I did, did say that well we'll put out i tell you what we could save ourselves we'll put out a post um the week before this mm-hmm. episode airs yeah and you can say and we'll put a link to it as well in the description so people can watch it ahead as homework yeah if they they wish to and uh yes greg get in touch with us and let us know what what you felt about a govern ghost story if you think it'd been better if one of the rent a ghost was in it then (laughs) drop us an email and let us know okay so let's put govern ghost story through our swally awards bit of a change of pace this week because quite there's a few of our awards that are a bit redundant um yeah so a bbc one 
9.30 in a yeah. school night. So the first one is our Bobby the Bartender's Award for the best pub. I'm going to go first here and say that there's only really one pub and I don't yeah. really, wouldn't really fancy going there. <laughs> Modest. Um, no, I- I agree with you. It's yeah. a bit, yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah, a, a governed, yeah, kind of workers. Um, that, that I was kind of thinking maybe, and then they start singing Billy Boys, and I'm like, eh, this yeah. isn't for me. Yeah. No. And the thing is, I mean, you know, the the sort of a, the kind of impression we're given a govern is that there's a lot of people there, a bit like Jock, who lost their jobs when the shipyards closed down and are unemployed. Yeah, the pub's hoaching. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> all I'm saying. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, but they've just they've just got their uh, got the brew money. Gyro. Yeah, so true. yeah, yeah, that's true. So it's the first place to go is the pub. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Hugh McGregor Award for gratuitous nudity, not really any, no, no nudity in there. If only Claypole or Swayze had been in it, then we might have seen some nudity. We would have, yeah, for sure, especially if no. Claypole was in there. Fucking hell. The James Cosmo Award for being everything Scottish. We just mentioned them. It's got what Matt Costello, right? Um, Tom Watson has been in a lot. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of things over the years but the fact that i've just mentioned that matt costello pops up in just absolutely everything and yeah. it's it's usually just like a one line yeah, but yeah. he's there and it's just <laughs> no. it's just he's everywhere um i don't know why he's not higher up in this well i don't know i mean i have to go back and double check i'm I've still, counted right i'm still coming to terms with him uh, turning up in wonder woman 84 that i saw two years ago <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. Ah, fuck it. Let's give it to Matt Costello. Why not? Yeah. Um, the uh, Jake McQuillan, your Tizu Award. So I, I, I gave this to Jock punching the ghost dad. <laughs> That's exactly what I gave it to. I'd actually written Dockery throwing his daughter over the balcony. And then I thought, yeah. I can't do that. No. That's a bit much. So yeah, I did go for Jock punching ghost dad, <laughs> Bill Cosby. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, I'd fucking! If you told me that Ghost Dad would have come up in this episode of the Culture Swally, when uh, on the last episode, I, would, I wouldn't have believed you. Okay, the Francis Begbie Award for gratuitous swearing. Not really any gratuitous swearing. I think that there is an f bomb dropped at one point, isn't there? It is. Yeah, we build ships in this river. No fucking roller coasters. What the hell would you call that? It's a roller coaster. Kids, no necessarily. But looking forward to it, are we? Things are different now. It's bringing work back again. Money into this city will all benefit. Oh, I imagine. We all get tired hanging about the shopping centre to keep warm. We can all pile down here with our brew money and get a ride in it. What an amenity! You're living in the past. I have to. We build ships in this river. No fucking roller coasters. That's it. That's it. And I, I, before that, I had, yeah, Brenda's getting married, the guy's a wanker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Which I think might be the best, because it's just unexpected. It comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so I'm interested. I'm, in, I'm really interested in hearing what your, what your nomination is for this next one. So the archetypal Scotch moment. Scotch? Scottish moment. Scotch. I, yeah, I, I thought about this a lot. Genuinely, I went with the whole shipyard closing, unemployment issue, just right. kind of depressing term because we've, we've covered a few things in the Swally that kind of yeah. come... You're laughing. You've got somebody built her for this. Um, <laughs> it's always nice. That whole kind of, you know... Thatcher, unemployment, things are tough. That just seems to me to be a bit of a 
archetypal Scottish thing for this time. Mm -hmm. It's either that or Billy Boys in the pub. (laughs) What have you gone for? I've put the rejection of gentrification. (laughs) Seems like quite a Scottish thing. Oh, I see. (laughs) So I have. You're right. It does. Um, It does seem to be, actually. But I think, I mean, I, I... I've said that, but I'm thinking that it's, I think it's more a kind of regional thing because if you go to Dundee, I remember, you know, going to be in Dundee yeah. in like the early 2000s and the, the city centre being quite grotty. And now it's quite, mm. uh, you know, the sort of, it's pretty good Dundee city centre to be. I know it's difficult for you to yeah. to accept that being an Aberdeen fan, but it's. Um... Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I think, as I, I think I've said before, my, even when I was younger, my um my mum and my sister, like a bank holiday, we would go to Dundee yeah. and they'd go shopping. Um, I remember buying Be Here Now mm. in Dundee. Mm. Came out the day or something, or was it the day or maybe the week after? But I remember buying that. Right. And buying the Verve drugs that work um, in Dundee. Yeah, single. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I used to quite like Dundee. It was all right. No, Dundee's great. I, I haven't been there for a while, but it's. I've never had any. I mean, we joke that it's a, a hole. That was the yeah. kind of thing they would say that the um, like Rubeslaw Quarry was the second biggest hole in Scotland <laughs> behind Dundee. But, you know, we don't actually mean that. It's a. Yeah. Uh, it's you know it's a it's a nice yeah, it's just, city. Just yeah, I agree though that could be the the thing in terms of the um yeah yeah not accepting change yeah or yeah that as you say it could be regional but I don't know but it's, yeah it's a decent enough shout to be fair there's not a lot else the only other thing I was clinging on to was the Daily Record headline at the start yeah but there wasn't a lot of archetypal Scottish things no, really not really no it's not like Jock had like a empty can next to his bed that he was pushing in or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fucking tartan tea towel in his cooker or something like that. Okay, I mean, I think, I don't know, I'd be, it's, I think it's sort of a foregone conclusion, um, this last one, but the Sean Connery Award for who won the production. You're not giving it to Bill Cosby, are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's Tom Watson, yeah, of course. He's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Real. Like, fantastic. He's... I mean, I, I liked him in, I did like him in uh, The Early Taggarts, you know. Mm. I mean, I, I, like, I, I did like The Biscuit as well when they brought him in. Uh, later yeah. on he was good but you know Watson sort of you know as the mint was you felt like he was closer to Taggart you you sort of felt like they might have been the same sort of position at some point in their careers mm. and they kind of come up together yeah whereas uh, McVitie seemed a bit kind of sort of Edinburgh kind of university a bit like um I've forgotten the name of the of his pre-Jardine uh, Peter yeah Peter. I know yeah you know what I mean talking about yeah yeah can't remember his name right now but yeah Peter yeah. um yeah you're right yeah it does you do get the impression that him and uh Taggart would have kind of at least maybe meant might have been maybe a couple of years ahead of him yeah. in the academy or something but they, they knew each other they moved in the same circles they'd probably served on the same yeah. team once or twice just before um he got promoted yeah yeah I know what you mean yeah proper polis mm. okay oh well no, I enjoyed the I enjoyed Govan Ghost story I, w- I was a bit apprehensive <laughs> uh you mentioned it last week but I, I was really really pleasantly surprised i really enjoyed it it's it's just 60 minutes it's quick and it's you know what i mean it's it's right up our street i think yeah it's, yeah. it's that kind of late 80s glasgow but it's not in your face or you know it's it's mm. gritty but it's yeah it's really good yeah. it's difficult to describe but i i really enjoyed it as well uh, i have to say it's a good old-fashioned sort of spooky story as well you know yeah yeah, yeah it's not a yeah there's no glitz and glamour. Although I did wonder, there was the. Do you think that was the biggest special effect when um, Brenda's doll suddenly developed stigmata <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. just started bleeding out of its hand? That was a bit odd. Yeah, that's a bit weird. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I, th- I mean, I think if I'm honest, I think maybe the whole sort of climax on the balcony when they kind of, when Ghost Dad and Ghost Daughter sort of fade away and things, I, I did I did think of maybe just taking a couple of steps too far here, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was okay. I was fine with it. I was fine with it. You know, I wasn't, you know, I still, yeah. it was still good. So. Good. Okay. Well, Greg, that was my choice for the first swally spectacular of uh, the <laughs> of the season um so it's your choice to close us off so we've only got one more episode of me mentioning swally spectacular <laughs> this year um, and i might ditch it all together for the next episode so <laughs> what are we going to be talking about on the next episode of the swally well i've gone for rather than gone for a sort of supernatural spooky kind of old-fashioned kind of ghost story i've gone for a, a ball well i've not seen it yet but it certainly sounds like it's going to be a balls out horror. So I've gone for 2014's White Settlers, directed oh. by uh, Simeon Halligan, written by Ian Frenton, and start and starring Pollyanna McIntosh and Lee Williams. I have not seen this, I've not but seen I have either. seen the kind of poster, right. and I remember thinking, "Oh, I need to pick that at some point because yeah. it looks quite good." Yeah. Well, I, I, okay. I read the synopsis and I thought, "Oh, this could be good for a second Halloween." episode and uh Pollyanna, Pollyanna McIntosh as um I would like to say the campaign manager from Bob Servant but she's yeah. always going to be the size queen for us now isn't she yeah exactly <laughs> is she not in The Walking Dead as well Pollyanna McIntosh she is yeah yeah, yeah she is she certainly is all right great well I look forward to watching that um of the next episode well wonderful uh well thank you very much everyone for listening hope you enjoyed the show and I do thoroughly recommend you go and look at Govan Ghost Story um if you'd like to get in touch with us you can follow us on Instagram at Culture Swally Pod or you can follow us on Twitter at Swally Pod or if you've seen anything that you would like us to review or look at or hey if you just want to send us an email and say hello please feel free to do so you can get in touch with us on Culture Swally at gmail.com and of course goes without saying please give us a rate review subscribe tell your friends about us wherever you get your podcasts it really does help the podcast to grow and greg we have a beautiful website that people can visit also don't we we do you can find us at cultureswally.com there's links to all the episodes and articles on the crankies scottish television and you can also link directly to our social media accounts straight from the website too so come and give us a visit over there i'm just checking if ghost dad streams anywhere or do you think it's banned they're being cancelled because of cosby's do you think? shenanigans you know something you can fucking rent it on apple tv <laughs> in the united states it's available on pretty much every streaming platform <laughs> to rent netherlands uh, it's on microsoft i don't know you could buy it for 14.99 why would you pay 14.99 to fucking pay ghost that so i think i'm pay, just gonna visit pirate but... it's got to go towards uh bill cosby's legal um fees That's why well so i cannot condone paying for that so so it's um, on on apple tv it's six pounds to buy and three pounds fifty to rent <laughs> ghost dad that's shocking ghost dad there you go is that the most types ghost dad's ever been mentioned in a podcast well unless they're reviewing ever. ghost dad <laughs> right wonderful well i am not off to watch ghost dad um but i am off to um go and find white settlers and uh watch that fantastic All right, well, wonderful. Thank you very much, Greg. Until next time. Until next time. He's got a family to raise. Diane, don't make me walk through this door. Do you know how weird that's going to make me look? Oh, there goes Diane, you know, Casper's daughter. A romance to keep alive. I can't. Oh, 
Oh, no, I don't mean that. I, I, of course I wouldn't. And a secret to keep. I know that you're an alien. I want $50,000 or I go to the newspaper. You don't try to threaten me! Bill Cosby. As you've never seen him before. Invisible. Daddy, can I take you to Chantel? Goes to Dad.